Hello everyone, Sam here. Um, just a quick message to say that when we got to the end of this podcast, um, we lost Wi-Fi connection and there was five minutes of us chatting and not really being able to hear each other and not really sure if we're still live and it's just five minutes of chaos. Uh, I kept it in there just because I couldn't be bothered editing it <laughs> and also it's quite entertaining as well. So just to pre-warn you, it ends uh, in a mad last five minutes, but we still managed to record for an hour. So, um, enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inspected Goals, the podcast where we try to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. Uh, Slightly different this week, you'll have already noticed if you're watching rather than listening, but there's three of us on the podcast uh, rather than two. Um, For that reason, if you are uh, watching live, if you can just let us know in the chat if there's any issues with audio. Or, or anything like that, that would be really um, helpful. Um, and I'll do it one at a time, because otherwise it will get confusing, and we'll try not to speak over each other. Seb, how are you doing? How's your week? How's your FPL week? All those kind of things. Hey, mate, I'm okay, thank you. I'm okay. My FPL week has been fabulous. Uh, my real life week, a little more, a little more tiring. Do you have to excuse me if I yawn? We've had, uh, we've had two nights in a row of, uh, of a, a poorly toddler, but I'm sure some people know how that is. But FBL, FBL nearly makes up for it, you know. Plenty of plenty of jam, I think. But nice when it's jam you you can pretend you played for, as opposed <laughs> to just uh, randomness. So I, I will take it and pretend I'm very smart. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing okay, thank you. Yeah, life's a bit tough at the moment, but FBL is a nice little distraction, uh, to be honest. Um, and yeah, kind of really keen to chat to you guys as well through your plans and. I'm going on a different route in terms of FPL as well at the moment. I'm I'm not I've not wildcarded yet. And I don't plan to wildcard in ten, so slightly slightly different. Um, whereas Ben, you also wildcarded in eight. That's right, and I've also done well off that. Yeah, I've got a bit of a boost. Um, my rank is a bit more like what I'm used to now, just up to 600k after a pretty good game week. Not as good as uh, not as good as Seb, but still pretty <laughs> good. And uh, yeah, just a bit more relaxed about FPL and just had a good week as well. Just enjoy the last of the, the good weather before winter sets in and the, the clocks go back and it gets dark and rainy. But Yeah, nice. Um, I guess I was kind of interested. To, it's interesting to have you both on because most there was a bit of a split in the in like analytics around people wildcarding in eight. Where the, I guess the majority went without Haaland, whereas you didn't, Ben. Um, along with a lot of other good FPL, FPL managers. Like you said, you had exactly the same thing, team as FPL Jan, who's ridiculously good at the game as well. So there are obviously lots of viable routes on game week eight. So I guess it might be... What I'll do first is I'll just show both of your teams um, as well, which I think is this slide. Um, so yeah, on the screen now, you can see both your teams. That might be quite small if you're watching on YouTube because they're on one slide, so you might want to full screen it. Um, one of you has, has a team who played Turner this week. Was that Ben? Was that you, Ben, or Seb? That's uh, that, that's Ben. That's Ben. Yeah, oh yeah, because he's got a yeah. captain. So, uh, so yeah, both Ben and Seb wildcarded in game week eight. So maybe if we both just chat through, kind of what was the uh, kind of reasoning behind going with or without Holland? I guess. Uh, Seb first. <laughs> Forget I need to say names, otherwise you're going to talk over each other. <laughs> Not used to it. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Well, as you said, I thought actually it was quite nice that. Because so often we see in the FPL community decisions that can maybe loosely been throw it, be thrown into like mm. the analytics crowd and the non-analytics crowd in terms of you know where where people are going, which direction. 
the Haaland or no Haaland one really didn't feel like that. There was a genuine split, just no matter what, you know, which whichever way you approach FPL, whichever like sub community that you identify with. There were lots of, as you say, analytics managers with and without and lots of non-analytics managers on either side too, which I thought was quite nice and probably shows, to be fair, to answer your question of like, you know, why go without him, that it was very close, right? It was pretty mm. marginal. And I think Luke, a couple of weeks ago now, because Luke also went without Haaland, he put it quite nicely, better than me, which was, there was just an opportunity. So mm. I think, you know, non-analytics approach and an analytics approach were both telling us that, maybe there's a chance to not go with Haaland here. Look at the fixtures, look at the... And this is the bit you really need. This was the key thing. It wasn't just the fact that Haaland's fixtures were tougher than average. It was that alternative captain's fixtures were brilliant as well. So even if Haaland's got bad fixtures, you need someone to take the armband off him, I, re I think, mm. really, to go without him. And there was this run of, what, somewhere like six to eight weeks, where there's basically only two fixtures that you'd be scared of, like genuinely scared of Haaland. We're scared every week, but, you know, really scared. Um, and only one of those fixtures is when he was probably the best captain. Like all the rest, there was maybe a better captain. That doesn't mean you had to get Haaland, but I think it presented an opportunity that we may not get again while he's playing for Man City in the Premier League. Mm. And so it felt like a really, especially at 2 million, right? I was like 2 million before the wildcard, I think, or in wildcard week. So that always helps, right? That always makes you think, oh, well, I can I can shoot for this because upside. So yeah, I basically went for it because it felt like a bit of free risk to put it in in that speak. Uh, yeah. And it did enable mm. some better players in the team, right? I could captain Salah. I captain Son in the first week and that didn't go as well, unfortunately. So I'd be even better off if I'd, if I'd got more lucky there. Yeah. But it allowed me to keep, for example, Fernandez, uh, Trippier, a slightly stronger midfield. Uh, Darwin, for example, is a punt I've got and a very good bench, which I think has helped out. And my goalkeeper rotation, which I, as, I mean, if Raya loses his place, then it's not a rotation anymore. But that mm. was part of the plan. Johnston is a good keeper in his own right with good fixtures. You could have just paired him with like Ariola and been happy. So I wanted to jump on the idea of potentially getting into David Raya, so Arsenal defence, before anyone else, but also having the backup for him in Johnston. And Johnston rotates perfectly in terms of when Raya had a tougher fixture, Johnston had a good one. And then the crucial week of when Raya, when Arsenal are playing Brentford, so Raya can't play, I believe, because he's still on loan, not signed permanently. Johnston yeah. has a good fixture in that week. So it worked lovely. Mm. So little things like that, Haaland just gave me that luxury to try some stuff like that. Yeah, I, was, um, I, I wasn't wildcarding, so I didn't really have to think it through as much. But I was pretty convinced that it was that it was... The, the right thing to do was to go without Haaland. But then the more I chatted to other people, um, the more I realised that a lot of that just came, it was more marginal than I thought. And I think a big factor in it was team value as well. I think people with better team value are running solves and we're getting Haaland in them more often as well. So I think when that can be the difference, just a few point one of a million or whatever it is, and if you're getting big results in terms of whether you own Haaland or not, that's you know it's close, basically. And, yeah. and the other key thing is like we could be sat here in a alternative universe and Haaland just scored a hat-trick and Salah blanked in both games or missed that penalty and so that's that's the funny thing is like it's not when you kind of play in terms of analytics we don't it, it you, when you don't use outcome to judge decisions it can be very easy to kind of admit when you got something wrong as well but I think in this yeah. circumstance the outcome I don't think it don't think it changes anything I don't think it proves anyone right or wrong um to be honest just both were viable um, yeah, what was your kind of thought process, Ben? Was, was there ever a point where you did have a team, a draft without Haaland? Or was it always a very easy decision for you to, to hold him? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't think it was an easy decision. 
like I say, I, I came up with the same team as as Jan and um, FPL Flair, I think it is. But I didn't yeah. talk to people while I was building it. But I think I just was struggling with the goalkeepers. I didn't really didn't like some of the goalkeepers pairings, and maybe I, I just saw Aviola as being such a good option after his tough fixture last week. Mm-hmm. I think so. I just kind of locked in um, Aviola and Turner as a goalkeeping pair. Just force included them. And once I'd done that, it basically every draft had had Haaland in because I was saving that money. I think I think that's what happened, mm. and I got a pretty good team with Haaland. Like I was able to get Salah and Son. Um, I guess the the differential, some of the differentials have come through. But Gibbs White, he's the he's my big difference to to seven midfield, and uh, Gibbs White hasn't done much yet. It's been a bit unlucky, but. Um, I think I'm just going to have to be patient with him. Yeah. Um, but, you've also yeah, done now well. that I've you've... kept, I've got Haaland. So I was just going to say, Ben, you've also done well with both regardless. Like, it's really funny. Like, it's easy to forget that Haaland actually scored this weekend, just gone. Like, I saw when he scored midweek in the Champions League, I saw people tweeting, oh, Haaland's back. But he scored on the weekend. <laughs> it's because for Haaland, one goal in two games feels like he's from like a no, playing terribly. Like no three XG chance or something as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's just funny that yeah. his standards are so high that he scores one goal in two games, and suddenly, you know, he literally scored in the previous game, and people are wondering whether he's going to come back or not. <laughs> you just forget about it because it's not much of a differential in FPL, so his yeah. goals don't mean much. But when you yeah. don't own him, you just you're aware of what he's doing so much, so much more. I think. Yeah. Just oh, looking yeah, at our teams absolutely. here. The difference basically is Fernandez for Gibbs White, Darwin for Haaland, and then that extra cash has bought me Trippier over Taylor. Mm. That's it. Okay, the goalkeepers, there's a bit more money there, but whatever. That wasn't really that wasn't as much a money thing as a sort of liking that rotation. That is that's kind of crazy when you think like because you know people are saying, Oh, what has the Haaland thing done for your team or not? I guess there it is it's on paper that's what the difference has been in our teams and i think when you look at it like that it's not like fernandez and or darwin did amazing it was the captaincy potentially that has probably made mm. the biggest i mean your, your scores is your score is brilliant by the way ben but in mm. terms of like if you thought you know oh if one's if there's a big difference here it's basically just the salah captaincy versus the harlan captaincy and i think the interesting thing there is obviously you had that route available to you ben but with harlan in your team i wonder if all i've done is remove that decision so, like, you know, if you have Salah and Haaland, of course you can captain Salah over Haaland, but it's so much easier to just be drawn to Haaland, who is basically a viable catch-up captain option every week, especially mm. against Brighton. Yeah, yeah, I would have... Um, I, I'm the... Op- I, like, we've got, got kind of one of each of us. I just have Haaland, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not, not showing my team because I'm doing badly. I'm actually doing quite well. I'm 180k and had a good week. It's just not that interesting for people to hear, and I wanted to share yours. But, yeah, I, I managed to have a good game week without Salah somehow. I got 90 points in the end, but it's because I just had I Dallow who scored and Mbwemo and these other players propped me up and that's happened the last few weeks. I caught that massive Watkins haul. The next week it was a big Sterling haul. This week it was the Dallow goal. I've had little things going my way. Um, and for my for my thinking, it's more it's not necessarily that I don't think my team would really benefit from a wild card soon. Um, it's more that I think there's a lot, probably think there's more value in a later wild card than most other people think. And I was always I was always set up pretty well because I... I had Watkins from game week one all the way through, so that wasn't a player I needed to replace. Um, this week I can bring in Saka, and it's, it's really this week that's really scary not having Salah, to be honest. <laughs> this week, um, uh, yeah, because of his fixture and because of how highly he'll be captained. It'll be fun to captain Saka. If he goes well, that could be great. Um, 
but then from from game week eleven, it's a bit easier. My team's a lot a lot better from then. And then uh, in twelve, sorry, yeah, in eleven, because because Haaland's got Bournemouth. I know I've I've got a really good captain. Twelve's a little bit more scary again. And then they play each other in thirteen, and I'll hopefully buy Salah in fourteen. That's the plan. So it's a pretty different route to most people, but it's just what I think is potentially best for my team. Um, and yeah, so far I've been quite fortunate with it. Particularly, I mean, it was really frustrating watching that Liverpool game as someone who doesn't own Salah when they got the penalty. And then not only that, like the last kick of the game, it just I, as soon as Darwin was breaking through, I was watching it live. I was just like, oh, I just knew what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's huge. Oh, yeah, if, I mean, you talk it's about huge if you captain talk about like luck and margins, <laughs> a penalty and a goal that is literally only available because they scored a penalty earlier and there's space on the break. Hmm. Like, you know, you're talking earlier about decisions and outcome, right? Salah looked like a great captaincy option on paper. In terms of the actual game itself, it kind of only really played out in quite a fortunate fashion. So, you know, which one was it? Lucky or a good decision? Yeah, both, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the thing. There's kind of like different types of luck, I guess, in FPL as a way to think about it. Like the fact that, um, let's say Salah hadn't scored the second goal and he just got a really nice score of like eight points or whatever it would have been. Um, it would You could claim, oh, that feels a bit lucky because he barely had a chance and he just happened to win a penalty. But actually before the game week, it was a really good decision. So he's not that lucky. So... And we also tend to remember the, well, I do tend to remember the times I was unlucky rather than lucky. Though I also just dallow randomly put the ball in the top corner from the edge of the box. So probably, you might not do that for another few seasons. <laughs> so yeah, like, that was, that was not, that was the yeah. luckiest thing. I mean, I think all three of us have got yeah. dallow and that was a, a, he's capable of that once a season, but I did not predict it happening this week. It was weird. I was in, no, I was in a, he's uh, more... I was in a, like a sports bar watching the rugby and then I was like just glancing up at the screen now and then I happened to glance up like just as he struck the ball and then I was like, like I kind of just assumed it wasn't him. I was trying to work out what player it was. I thought, I was thought it was Scott McTominay. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. That was, the, that was the moment of the season so far, I think. And he was such a like FPL view analytical pick. And yeah. like people who, I get a lot of people following me on Twitter just leaving comments about my team and people were kind of criticizing me for picking Dallow. And for keeping in Burmo and for and for picking Gibbs White, they were like the head scratching picks and two of them have come through so far. I just need need Gibbs White. I mean he hit the bar like two weeks ago and he he hasn't done it yet. But maybe Are you going back maybe I'll have to start him against Liverpool this week and he'll he'll get a goal on the counter attack. That would be good. Yeah. And that's why I really like the FPL optimized tool where you can see your expected points uh, versus your actual points as well. And you can see that gap throughout the game week because it it just knows, it just gives you a really like, good idea of where you're supposed to be. And like mine basically this week yeah. dropped down loads at the beginning because of Salah and then it just caught up with a lot of luck in the 3pm games and then it kind of went as it was supposed to. Uh, so it just kind of puts things into perspective. Um, but yeah, I guess like you, can think you've had a bad week. you can think you've had a bad week. You can think you've had a bad week overall, but then some things have gone your way and you check it and you're, you're running even and you can't complain. Mm. And I, I, I had a look at my... Um, on the summary thing where it shows your whole season, my I was like running behind my predicted score all season by quite a long way, and then it's suddenly just gone to exactly the same. Like my predicted difference was fifty um, points, and that and my real difference is fifty point one seven. So like they're exactly the same this week. So my luck has just evened out after this uh, wild card. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I guess. Uh, in terms of what we're going to discuss for the rest of the pod, we will touch on wildcard 10, even though none of us are doing it. We're going to show you an, an optimal team, uh, so to speak, based on FPL review. 
um, that they've uh, given us permission to share and we'll discuss kind of what we would go with, what we agree with in that team, what we disagree with. The other main thing we'll discuss is midfielders because we feel there's a lot of people, whether they wildcarded in eight or not, or whether they're wildcarding in ten, just really umming and ahhing over just the amount of high-quality midfielders, Sterling, Son, Salah, Rashford, Saka, Martinelli, Erdegaard. And then the, you know, whether you go with Palmer to allow a few more expensive ones, whether you keep in Buemo, there's just a lot of questions there. So that's the other thing we'll cover. But before that, since we've been talking a bit about your plan, Ben, we're going to discuss the free hits. And that might seem like a really random thing to do on this episode, but Ben is very good at thinking ahead. And it's not actually thinking that far ahead. You know, we're going to, Ben's going to touch now on kind of towards the end of the season. Um, but knowing if you're going to free hit or not at the end of the season or how viable that is might impact how viable it is to free hit an 18, which could well change your plans of whether you wildcard in game week 10, whether you wildcard later, for example. So that's why it's potentially relevant now. So on the screen now, Ben, I've just got the, the fixture schedule from 26 to 38. So yeah, why don't you just <laughs> do your thing, like talk, talk through kind of when you think the best times are to wildcard, free hit this season, whether it's different to previous seasons, etc., and how that might shape people's thinking now, why that might be relevant now. Okay. Well, most seasons, there's an obvious place to play free hit later in the season, or there are like two obvious places, like either a blank or a double game week, and you're, you're spoiled for choice on good opportunities to play it especially the past like two or three seasons with the pandemic and the Queen's Queen's death. There's been like lots of ups and downs in the season with blanks and doubles and there's been some great times to play free hit. But this season, it's kind of just a bit of a more of a normal season, even even less than a normal season because the FA Cup semi-finals aren't necessarily going to cause a blank game week because of the, the free midweek. And then, so we've got this big blank game week in game week 29 is, is the main one because of the FA Cup quarterfinals. So you might think that free hit is best in that in that blank game week. But if you look at the fixtures around that blank game week 29, for Man City, they they, they play Man United in 27, Liverpool in 28, they're probably going to blank in 29, then Arsenal in 30. And then their fixtures get pretty good again, pretty good again in game week 31. And then they've got a loosen at home in 33. Similar for Arsenal. Um, well, they, they play Man City, like like I said, in, in game week 30. Then the fixtures get really good from 31. Um, Liverpool, ha- it's, it's Liverpool-Man City in game week 28, like I said. So for Liverpool, it's kind of a similar story. They could go Man City in 28, Blank in 29 or, or Everton. But it, like, it depends. We don't know what the Blank's going to be yet, but normally it's the biggest teams blanking in that week. Then it's Liverpool-Brighton in game week 30. And the same again in game week 31, there's a fixture swing. Liverpool play Sheffield United at home. It just seemed like a great time to wildcard in game week 31. So instead of free hitting to tackle the big blank game week, you'd wildcard afterwards mm-hmm. after like slowly offloading your top players based on the blanks they've got and their tough fixtures. Then you'd wildcard them all back in and, and set up your team in, in game week 31. So I, I think that kind of really negates the idea of free hitting in the blank and then there's there's probably only going to be going to be one big double game week in game week 37 and you could free hit there or you can save your bench boost for that week Mm. but it looks it looks like a a good week to bench boost and so there's an argument for free hitting in game week 18 because the opportunities to free hit later don't look as as juicy as most other seasons Mm. 
like is the key thing there the fact that for is the fact it's paired so so uh, immediately with the double as well so for example you could have triple Brentford triple City by that point their fixtures are also good in general around that time period as well going into that double so you can hold them for that whole time just free hit them all out in 18 and then you've got the six remaining in your team and you can go into the double with the good fixtures and into the double in 20 with them already yeah and uh, you've got Liverpool Arsenal in game week 18 as well so you can fade that fixture if you have to free hit then you can get yeah. triple Newcastle for Luton you can get Villa for Sheffield United Sheffield United at home when Villa have got quite difficult fixtures around game week 18 mm. so yeah the, there's an argument to be made but if you if you plug it in on FPL review right now like most of us are only gaining like 12 points I think so mm. I, I don't know if you have to commit to a decision yet but I suppose if you're thinking about wildcarding this week, it's it's not too late. Um, you might be saving your wildcard for game week 19, but then if you think, actually, I'll just free hit in game week 18, that could bring forward your decision to wildcard yep. now, I, I suppose. But Sam, you're, you're thinking you're going to wildcard then. Anyway, you're going to wildcard later, like around mm. game week 19, maybe? Yeah, probably in 19. Um but that's part of the that's actually part of the thinking for the opposite reason in that I think that free hit eighteen uh, will potentially be really popular, and so if I wild if I wild card in ten, I think it makes sense that I pair it with a free hit in eighteen just based on looking at the fixtures and based on when I run it through review, it's significantly better my wild card in ten when I pair it with pair it with free hit eighteen, so I think I would commit to that, um, but because I've decided not to wild card, it, that makes nineteen even more uh, desirable because it saves a chip as well. And then I've got my free hit for later uh, also. So by wildcard in 19, you're then not using your free hit in 18. But another thing I hadn't really thought through is what you mentioned there about Liverpool and Arsenal playing each other in 18. Now, when I initially looked at that, my, my brain initially went to, oh, that's annoying. I can't free hit any Liverpool and Arsenal players in. <laughs> you know, because it's those kind of fixtures you want to triple up on the players. But actually, yeah, like you said, realistically, most of us will probably have four or five players from those two teams anyway. So there's probably more value in the free hit in avoiding that fixture in itself. So yeah, maybe I need to consider whether I do that strategy. Because um, if I do that strategy, that will definitely mean it makes more sense for me to wildcard earlier because there'll be no value in wildcarding in 19 um, and or 20 if um, I'm free hitting in 18 anyway. So it's definitely something to consider. And I guess in general, like if people are using review to make decisions and if, if you're trying to work out still now whether you wildcard or not, um, yeah, set it up with a free hit in 18 and see what the difference is in EV. Set it up without it um, as well. Um, I think that's the key thing to do. But yeah, when you messaged me before the pod then and was like, oh, can you get together a screenshot from game week 26? At the end, it did, it did make me laugh. I did think only you were thinking this far ahead. But that's why you're so good. So good at the game, I guess. Or one of the main reasons. Um, but it's, it is interesting as well. Like, it's, just, it's not... Well, from my memory, I've not put, like played FBL as seriously until the last few seasons but is it just because of covid and then obviously with the the fixes delayed because of the queen dying that we've you know those chips have been better later in the season because i seem to have a memory that even before then they would still normally be an obvious week to free hit yeah later in the season it's um most seasons you get the fa cup semi-finals causing blanks which mm. create a like a nice little time to play a free hit chip because you get like a double straight after a blank where everybody's who's doubling is blanking straight before. Um, 
so it creates more of a like a topsy-turvy schedule when that happens and it's harder to navigate and it makes the free hit more valuable then but this season like i said uh, game week 34 the fa cup semi-final weekend uh, there's a free midweek afterwards so it's going to be one of those like either no no blanks or like one team blanking three teams doubling that's what's happened before on those weeks it's, mm. um, but what do you think about the idea of like free hitting in game week 37 if that's like the obvious big double game week and there's the other the other game, double game weeks only have like one extra fixture or three extra fixtures maybe do you like the idea of free hitting then because it's the end of the season there's there's rotation there's and like or do you think bench boosting is a good idea then because it's like it's hard to, to nail a, a team full of f- 15 starters then isn't it well yeah particularly if what you're saying is true and that 31's a really obvious time to wild card it's quite a big gap until 37 whereas normally you can like go straight into that wild card bench boost and then you can start to remove those more expensive players off your bench if you're holding them for a longer period of time yeah. when you said do i like the idea of it yeah i absolutely like the idea of it because it's fun to free hit and just have 22 players 11 players who double um so the idea of it i really like but yeah whether um that's viable or not i don't i, I don't know yeah i just i just I, I would still always even in a season like this I would always just try and play my bench boost in a double and 34 because there's going to be blanks as well seems like that's going to be an unlikely time to be able to play it so it, it seems to me like 37 is the only kind of obvious time to play your bench boost in a double um, and like, I think you're making a good argument for free hit 18. And yeah, like you said, it might not mean that people commit to it now, but it might be that in making your transfers, you add that in as a potential thing you might do. And if you're 50-50 on a player, then you on your transfer this week and then you just run the solve again, but add in free hit 18 and suddenly it prefers one of those players. Maybe that's what swings you this week, just in case um, you do it. If, if you were to predict it now, Ben, would you like, what percentage would you put on the chances of you free hitting 18? Offering. I thought you were going to ask me about what the percent chance of the double game week is because that hasn't been confirmed yet, game week yeah. 20, and we, we have to wait yeah. for that, don't we? But um, mm. uh, free hissing, what would I say? Um, maybe I'm 60% likely to free it then. Um, yeah, I'm a bit I'm a bit worried about game week 37 bench boosting when it's so far away from the wild card and you don't know what the, you don't know how to... You're setting your team up for a bench boost when you're wild carding in game week 31 seems difficult. So free hitting in game week thirty-seven does seem like quite a good idea, and then just you can you can bench boost in a small double game week sometimes if if you get like cheap players with a double game week you can, mm. and then your regular players have good fixtures. You, you, your more expensive players just have good single game week fixtures. You can bench boost mm. in a smaller double game week. So I'm I'm still open to it, and maybe I'll see what. FPL of you thinks about that when the fixture horizon moves on forward into like game week 23, 24, 25 and you've got the African Cup of Nations factored in and the Asia Cup and the landscape is more like you can see further in the future and I'll see if FPL of you gives it like a maybe a 15 point um, bonus to free hitting then, then maybe I'd, I'd do it but I'm not sure. What do you think Seb? I'm, I mean, I'm delighted that I joined you for this because what I'm going to do, my friend, is I'm going to screenshot this and I'm going to copy it down and I'm going to do it. Um, I think, like, I've not really looked, obviously I've not looked this far ahead, other than speculatively in terms of, you know, Samuel asked there, like, do we often fun of running these wildcard free hit strategies um, in regular seasons, which there hasn't been for quite a while? Uh, yeah, my memory of that is there's very much, like, 
a, a medium-sized double game week and a massive one and you you mm. wildcard appropriately you free hit one you or will you free hit in a blank sorry you bench boost in one of them you triple captain in the other depending on the fixtures jobs are good and that was pretty much the pattern most seasons maybe with a little bit of variation uh the biggest memory of variation from that sort of strategy i have is like when chelsea were in the, in the, the previous formats of the super cup and they had like a, I think they had a blank and a double within like the first couple of weeks or something, or at yeah. least a blank anyway, because they were off playing the Super Cup or uh, well, Cup World Cup, whichever it was, sorry. Um, so yeah, I think we're maybe edging back towards that normal strategy. But as Ben has put beautifully there, maybe not quite this season yet, maybe next season. And mm. for me, I'd pretty much written off for hitting, for hitting an 18, if only because I was being drawn back to that usual pattern of use it in those big doubles the end of the season you know get through period and maybe because i've just wildcarded navigate 18 in the period around it without a free hit but i'm tempted to look at it because so what be different to yours and i'm envious of your route with this plan in mind for obvious reasons i think it makes good sense and i do like the old downside other than you know fixtures changing whatever um you know and some randomness is as ben said that really long distance like i think that'd be the longest we've ever Welcome and a bench boost like we did was it last year there was about four weeks or between i think a popular wildcard and a bench boost if this is looking at about yeah. six weeks that is an awful long time but you don't i guess you don't actually have to fully commit to that bench boost there's a lot of time for transfers there's a lot of time for things to change even if you, you know you build a wildcard that has a bench boostable team already well you're going to want to make transfers even and then if that bench boost wasn't available to you for whatever reason i still think the wildcard there makes sense like just looking at city's fixtures that like potential blank United, Liverpool, Brighton, potential blank Arsenal, mm -hmm. and then into Villa, Palace, Luton, Tottenham, Forest, Wolves to see out the season. So on, you know, Fulham and West Ham yeah. at the end. That's lovely. That's that's an absolute gift to be able to. Maybe I don't ignore Haaland this time. Maybe I hold him, but you know, drop all the rest of those players, wild card straight back in, and you can accommodate with some other nice fixture shifts there as well. I think you know you mentioned there's a few other teams. Liverpool is is viable around then, and of course it's the expensive assets that really matter to us. When using the chips more than anyone else so if it's anything that involves harlands and salah i am very tempted to get chips in yeah it's just a, yeah it's just yes, really I just did now with salah and harland it's just um yeah really interesting because we've not um i just think there's loads of people who haven't even considered uh i just say this because i've not really considered it. i've not seen a lot of it on twitter like free hit and 18. so i think just even mentioning the fact that it's viable is really like interesting in itself so You've definitely got me thinking, Ben. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the moment, I probably will stick to the plan because I like the idea of um, just wildcarding all those players for the double. But it could absolutely kill me then if it, that double's not announced as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, wildcarding on uh, Christmas Day, like thinking about your wildcard team on Christmas Day, <laughs> the day after Christmas, Boxing Day, that just seems a bit painful, doesn't Wait, you, it? you don't. What else do you do on, <laughs> yeah, on Christmas? Yeah. You spend time with your family. There's, there's, game, there's games on Boxing Day, mate. I don't what do you... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's also the fact that you for me, uh, I find it easy to hold it because game week 14 is actually quite a nice window as well, potentially for people who are holding their wildcard. That might open up as a nice a nice option also. Um, cool. Now we've got long-term thinking. We'll go very short-term instead. And yeah, we wanted to kind of particularly focus on midfielders. And then when we move on to the questions at the end, we will cover other positions. And when we look at the potential wildcard in 10. So I guess just initially, uh, your guys' thoughts. Um, Salah, we've already discussed. Like if you've got him, you obviously hold him. If you don't have him, you've tried to get him. Um, 
and you obviously go for him if you're wildcarding in 10. What about like, let's go, um, let's go Man United first, Rashford and Bruno. Do you think, let's say you have both of them, which would you sell this week if you need to sell one to get Saka, for example, in your team? Rashford. Rashford, yeah. Penalties, minutes. Penalties, minutes, yeah. Yeah, I think he's, his numbers are a bit down on last year. He had a great year last year and he's not replicating that. He's, he's even, his numbers are down on earlier in the season, I think, as well. And mm. yeah, he's been subbed off earlier more often and... That was one of the reasons for wildcarding back in game week eight was to get rid of Rashford. Yeah, and to be honest, it's like with Rashford, it's not. Yeah, like I said, the performances are obviously concerning, but we know how good he is as a player, and also know that particularly earlier in the season, he was still getting lots of chances. It is specifically the minutes, and it's similar to with Son on Monday. I think a lot of people changed their mind on Son on Monday in terms of they were more wary of selling him after he scored and assisted, but actually. I think that's perfectly fine as well. But the key thing wasn't necessarily the goal and the assist. It was the fact he played over 80 minutes and like seemed absolutely fine, which he's not done for ages. Whereas if he'd come off again at like early 70 minutes, he'd suddenly feel like a really easy sell. So that's another thing. That's like, it's, it, it's the minutes that are like the, the key thing when it comes to short-term stuff like that. But you just wouldn't be surprised if like, because after this match, uh, after game week 10, they've got Fulham, Luton, Everton, like you wouldn't be surprised if Rashford just bangs in a hat trick in one of those games. Like these players can do it, which we know. But like now's the time to sell him before he plays City for sure, definitely. And with all the other options in midfield, and yeah, some of those options are Arsenal players. And I was looking at, I looked at review actually, and this is quite long term, but just to give you an idea of the quality of the assets in general. And over the next twelve game weeks, like Erdegaard and like review loves Erdegaard. Erdegaard and Saka are basically identical for EV. Like it's really really similar. And I wonder if is what we've discussed a few episodes ago of whether there's just that penalty thing, whether they do have it just completely 50-50 between the two yeah. of them, for example, where we maybe think now is more like 70-30 for Saka or, <laughs> or you know, 20-20-20-20 amongst about five players. Um, yeah, it's just, just really interesting how um, similar their, their EV is, but I guess he would still go Saka regardless because the price is the same. Yeah, I mean... We just said minutes of penalties for Bruno. So I've yeah. apply that logic to Saka and uh, Erdegaard as well. Well, they've both got the minutes. Although Saka is, you know, just forever mm. getting yeah, injured the and then being fine. So maybe there's a bit of a son going on there. You know, at some point we'll learn that he's he's out. But I think minutes are fine at the moment. And then, yeah, penalties. I would edge Saka in terms of probably like a 60-40 split. I think, without meaning this literally, I think the way it could be working is that Saka basically gets first dibs. So if it's the first opportunity to take a penalty in a goalless match, so mm. he hasn't scored, I think there's a very good chance he takes it. If it's a match where, say, Arsenal have scored, are winning, and especially if Saka has scored, and we saw he'd taken a penalty and scored previously, there is then the opportunity for him to give it away to Erdegaard or to Martinelli based on conversations. I have no idea. And then I think there's one final caveat there, which is like in a goalless state match where there's a penalty earned, there is the chance where Odegaard can say, I fancy this, and Saka says, okay. And we've seen that happen as well. There was, yeah. I think it was a nil-nil match, penalty one, and Odegaard took it, not Saka. But then in another nil-nil match, we've seen Saka take it since then. So I think I would edge Saka 60-40, but with an absolute bunch of caveats. But I think if you were to like map all that out, what you'd end up with is it's like Saka, and then if 
various things and then other people because mm. even if Saka doesn't take it you can't guarantee that Erdegaard is taking it it could be Martinelli I mean hell it could be G- Jesus won that could be Havertz Havertz I mean, it, yeah genuinely yeah. could yeah he got one didn't he yeah great mm-hmm. a great shout so like I think I think you have to go Saka just because if you don't then you're basically picking from two or three players who are on penalties so even if you're not super confident that it's Saka he has to have your majority share and so if everything else is relatively even you know minutes uh, open play threat ish. I think Saka maybe just edges that, but we saw mm. very similar non penalty numbers between the three of them, uh, the third being Martinelli last yeah. season. So yeah. I would just edge Saka. And as you say, price wise, if there's nothing in it, I think it's simple enough, but it'll be one of those where you know there'll be a there'll be a twenty point swing between them for no real reason in five weeks. Yeah, Alex is saying in the chat Jorginho could take one, which is hundred percent true. Could oh gosh, one. yeah, he, he genuinely <laughs> could, right? Yeah. Imagine you get ninety fourth ninety fourth minute in a tough fixture. It's nil nil. Jorginho has got that calm. Ramsdale off the bench to take. I one, much, <laughs> I much prefer Saka. I think. I think yeah. Odegaard is his numbers aren't as good. Like expected assists this year, like like a third of what they were last year. It's a small sample size, but this is the worst season of his career in terms of chances created and expected assists. Maybe it's the system or maybe maybe it's just variance. Mm. And, and Saka's like having a, best, a better year number-wise than he's had before in terms of non-penalty expected goals and, and yeah. assists, expected assists. So I think there's a bigger gap in, in my mind than there is on what review, what review is, is saying. But I just kind of wonder in general whether... Opinion. Even though, like now, we've got a small sample and we've got the whole of last season. Even though their non-penalty, like goal threat numbers, were really similar, I just do wonder if, like last season, was just an outlier and there was something about the way that they played. Just because of what we know about Erdegaard as a player and that he's generally a creator, I do wonder whether just last season was a one-off and actually what we're seeing this season uh, is just what Erdegaard is generally going to be like, less goal threat than Saka and Martinelli, and the fact that review has Erdegaard so high or so similar to Saka is the fact it values long-term data, which in gen- which is a good thing in general, but like maybe it's somewhere in the middle. And yeah, I don't know. But I guess I we've like... like a, I yeah. saw a tap. Go on. I, sorry, sorry. I, no, 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 please. I interrupted you there. I was... Uh, I, I, I was I'd, I'd, um, I'd, I'd finished. <laughs> um, so I saw a tactical take on sort of, not really an explanation for that, but some insight into that, where against... You know, the classic low block counterattack mm. team type thing. Um, but, you know, does that suit Odegaard better or does it suit, you know, the types of Saka? I think it's very hard to go, you know, it's the old Son theory, right? Where, oh, he'll score against a good team away from home because he has all this space to run into. Yeah. But, well, he'll also score against bad teams at home, as we've just seen. Like, it, he's just, you know, better. He's a better player. So, yeah. you know, he will score in more matches. For a real football like analysis, as opposed to FBL, I think that's very relevant. You know what fixture suits him. For FBL, I think it's a little more of a dice roll when we're talking about those sort of things. So, with that in mind, the the take I saw on the on the Arsenal was when they are facing a team that they're having to break down a bit more as opposed to finding space. Erdogan generally gets better chances closer to goal. He did score some brilliant long shots last season, and actually at first I wrote him off because I was like, oh, they're just long shot bangers, you know, variants. Don't need to worry about mm. it. But he was getting good XG chances, typically against poorer teams because of the way they were building up, as opposed to like Chaka having room to burst into and then moving it more quickly. They were in a position, excuse me, I just hit the mic. Sorry if that hurt anyone's ears. Um, they were in a position where the ball was being worked for, uh, further forward 
but sort of more deliberately, slowly finding the chances more carefully. And so Odegaard was moving into positions where he's more likely to get higher XG opportunities, as opposed to if Arsenal are breaking quickly, where he's left behind a bit more by the play. He's you know, creating as opposed to catching up to it. No, of course, that's, you know, that's a lot to then put on. Well, will Odegaard score against, I don't know, Fulham or something like mm. that? The answer is we don't know. But if maybe you wanted to take that forward and look at their fixtures and think, okay, do I think these fixtures could suit an Odegaard not more than Saka, but with that theory in mind, I think it's something you could play with. And may I'm not saying that's what Rebu's got into got in mind, but if those longer term numbers, you know, have Odegaard and Saka slightly more similar, but you Ben, you think Saka's more clear, I think this maybe comes back to the tactical shift with Havertz. Mm. If we think that potentially is preventing Odegaard taking up those same positions against, say, the poorer teams, because while Havertz is doing that tracker role, Havertz obviously is playing it differently and is less likely to fill those spaces in terms of different attacking phases. And so I think Odegaard may well be further away from goal. So I'd be interested in looking mm. into that, even if the conclusion is like, oh, that's interesting. Don't base an entire FBL decision on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and sorry, Alex made a good point in the chat that Odegaard is a lot better for bonus points. So when he does tend to score, he's generally goes straight onto them. Um, whereas Saka might need two returns, for example, or if they both score, it's more likely to be Odegaard. Um, which I think is just chance creation, I would imagine, is the main thing. And passing numbers. Um, yeah, but I guess a more difficult question, because we, we kind of all agree that we would go with Saka. And I guess we will all own Saka this week, although maybe not. Um, where would you stand in terms of if you own, let's say, Madison and Song? Because a lot of people are in that position. Um, firstly, if you are wildcarding, uh, and secondly, just if you own those two, like would you look to switch to Saka straight away now, or do you hold off? Because Saka, the interesting thing is that Arsenal play Newcastle in game week eleven. So I think a lot of people are just thinking, just wait and do it in twelve, um, which I see the logic behind. Do you know where do you guys stand on that? Is it that you would sell Madison but not Son, or is there would you just do it? Yeah, what do you think, Ben? Um, uh, to get to Saka, they're a similar price point, uh, Madison and, and Saka. So I would I would sell Madison. I think Madison and Son are both good value for money. They're, they're both both great. Like Son is putting up such good numbers, like almost the, the best of his career, really, in terms of non-penalty X, XG plus X, XA. Like, yeah, better than any season he's had, and he's such a good finisher. Um, I wouldn't want to sell Son and, and Madison... And that's what review suggested for me to do this week. When I originally wildcard in game week eight, it was saying in game week ten you want to be getting in Saka for Madison as well as like a defensive downgrade. I think Poro to Gabriel. Hmm. Um, so I, I could, I might, I might do that, or I might, I might just be, do a boring transfer and get a Gabriel as well as Simikas. But um, I'm not thinking about selling Son. Hmm. Yeah. What, what What about you, Seb? I think for me, Ben alluded to it a bit there. It's kind of a budget thing. So there's a few scenarios. If you aren't on wildcard, maybe you have just wildcarded. I had Fernandez, Son and Madison. I no longer have Fernandez and I do have Saka. So I've kept both Son and Madison. Uh, but I don't have Haaland. So, you know, I have a bit of a luxury there. Uh, and I might even reverse the Saka-Fernandez move in the following weeks. And then I have a little plan to try and get into Haaland for about 16 if you are wildcarding this week, again, I think it maybe comes down to if you want to keep Haaland, which I know we'll come on to in a minute. If you don't, then Son is obviously a much easier hold because you have that money. If you do want to keep Haaland and you want Salah and I don't know if you want Trent, Trippier, whatever it is, I think then Madison looks more attractive because while Son is brilliant, Madison is also doing a great, great job for 
1.5-ish, something like that, maybe a bit less, cheaper. So I think that becomes easier from a whole team point of view. Even if every week, you know, you lose the Madison Son battle, you might win the team battle overall. Whatever you do, though, I do think you'd be looking at Saka soon. If you're wildcarding, yeah. you probably do it now. If you're making transfers, as as you know, as I mentioned, as you mentioned, there's a couple of fixtures that are good, one that is bad, and actually the alternatives kind of have similar sort of idea. So you could make it now, you could make it in a couple of weeks. I think the idea is you need to end up there. Yeah, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? And I think the thing was, like I would probably, if I just had the money, I probably would do Madison to Saka if I just had two free transfers and not a lot to do. I probably would do it. I just really love this fixture for Saka particularly. Um yeah. One thing I should mention there, as well. Um, sorry, uh, No, so it just occurred to me. I think I was on delay there. Sorry, I thought I'd got in <laughs> when you were taking a break. Um, apologies. So yeah, um, captaincy. So I was just thinking, I think mm. it was Flapjack that mentioned this uh, early in the week, that if you're looking at your captaincy now, even if you don't have Haaland, but especially if you have Haaland and Salah, Son's captainable fixtures start drying up. So there is mm. potentially an argument there that you, you don't need Son as much. But obviously his points potentially is still good. Yeah, and you're not going to captain Saka either, though, unless you're like me, you don't have Salah this week, basically. And yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I'm looking, there's a guy called um, uh, Rob T on Twitter who a lot of you will follow. Um, he posts a lot of really interesting... He often posts like the market odds and the kind of projected goals for the um, Arsenal-Sheffield United game are the highest of any match so far this season. I think they projected three goals. I think it's the first one to hit three. I think Liverpool have projected 2.6 against Forest or something. Um, so yeah, I, th- I would just attack this fixture even though they've got Newcastle next, personally. Um, probably. Um, what about people who have... Um, I, think, I think quite a few people on Wildcard 8 went for Diaz. Um, I, don't, I know neither of you did, and maybe it was less popular within the analytics um, community, but because of the injury to Gakpo at the time, oh, and Jota, um, a lot of people went for him, and the idea was you went for him for two weeks for these two fixtures, or maybe for three weeks. Um, but like, I think he's an interesting one where actually, maybe because Nunes has played tonight, maybe even you just hold Diaz because um, he plays Forest and don't switch him to Saka, although many people would have had that planned. I, I think he's an interesting one as well. But because of what you said about you want Saka anyway, and it's probably the opposite with Diaz, you probably want to sell him eventually anyway, maybe just do it now before Sheffield United. He was just another player I had in mind because I just saw him in a, in a, in a few wildcard teams um, as well. Um, we'll move on now to kind of, I guess, cheaper midfielders because... I've kind of, I've got them listed here and categorised as over and over seven million, and now these are the ones that are the, the seven million uh, and below, which Sterling just about sneaks into. Um, who's probably not a viable buy now at all. In fact, definitely isn't. But Cole Palmer has emerged essentially. Do you guys think it's as simple as, as a player who costs whatever it is, four point nine or whatever he costs, and he takes penalties and he's playing every week, just an absolute no-brainer. Particularly if you're if you're wildcarding. What do you think, uh, Ben? Yeah, I think it's, he's probably the, the best cheap midfielder. I'm just looking at um, Mikel Tokman's tables and he's got Palmer as the, the best midfielder uh, under 6.5. Um, I think he prefers Matoma, but is he definitely on penalties, do you think? Um, or, yeah, he's taken two in a row now, I think. Well, there's yeah. the whole there's a whole chat with Sterling, wasn't it? I guess that might make you doubt it a bit. Um, Even his underlying numbers, excluding penalties, have been pretty good as well. So mm, yeah. he looks like a great option. 
what are the fixtures? Amazing, are they though? So That's you'd have thing. to start him in some tougher fixtures, or maybe you just you'd bench. He's cheap enough to bench, though, isn't he? But yeah, I think the interesting yeah. thing was then is particularly if you look at the fixtures. First, I think he's almost like killed some other options, like Morgan Gibbs White, for example, who's really cheap. I feel like because he's like Gibbs White is about half something like half a million more. You just go for Palmer now, even when Gibbs White has good fixtures. The tricky thing with Palmer is he's got Brentford, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United in his next six. But I think I think if you're wildcarding, because of what you mentioned, Ben, about the fact he's benchable, so you're probably going to have good depth because you've just wildcarded. Because of his fixtures from 16, which are Everton, Sheffield United, Wolves, Palace, Luton, Fulham. Like you're, I just feel like, particularly if he stays on penalties, which I think will happen, and with the way he's playing, I think he'll play regularly, Like you're just going to want him then. And you're going to be transferring him in at some point down anyway. So I think you just buy him now and save yourself a transfer. The other option is you would have someone like Diaby, for example, for two really good fixtures. Or because he's so cheap, there's not really like an easy like placeholder even. So I just I just think you just go for him as your fifth midfielder. That would be my view on it if you're wildcarding. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, yeah. Seb, on him? Do you like him a lot? I, I think. Yeah. Yes. I think. The only concern is fixtures, and he's 0.4 or 0.5 more than Archer, who you were going to bench every single week anyway. So, you know, it's, it could take that spot in your squad in terms of someone who's benched for four weeks, and then, as you say, you get to play him. Uh, on penalties, I think, obviously, Nkunku, when Nkunku's back, we'll want to reassess that. Oh, yeah, I'm unsure when he's back. I know, like, training-wise, could be actually for their good run, like Sirds. Oh, got you there, my friend. Okay, we're back now, I think. I think we're back. I think we lost connection. Ah, lovely. Ah, so I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know if we were if we were gone or just just your camera. I think we're. Okay. So, yeah, just, uh, yeah, very quickly. Cool. Very quickly run that up then. Yeah. So like, one of reass- reassessment and Kunku's back, but yeah, I think he's cheap enough still not to matter. Um, and then in terms of penalties, I think he's certainly first choice. It seems, and in terms of Sterling maybe taking it off him, I'm almost, I'm o- I'm almost glad we know that that was a possibility because if we didn't, we'd be a hundred percent on Palmer, and then Sterling would surprise us. We know it's a little bit of a possibility, but actually we got that nice confirmation that Enzo basically went up and said, no, no, it's Palmer's. So Sterling tried to take it and was told, no, Palmer took it. So for me, that's that's quite a nice confirmation, actually, that Palmer mm. is the preferred choice. Yeah, if there's not a more senior player on the pitch, like someone like, in fact, how old is Enzo? I've just made up that he's senior. But anyway, a more experienced player than Palmer. He's like, he's like 23. He's like 23. <laughs> but more, a lot more uh, still a lot older than Palmer if there wasn't another, another like inter- player to kind of like intervene I don't know maybe Sterling would have just taken it and his kind of character would have won over but I'm, yeah I'm, like Sterling's so bad at penalties I don't know why he's what argument he's got to take it his record's so bad it's nearly as bad as Watkins' record so he's not really got a good argument to take it other than he's a yeah a better kind of more established player Um yeah, and I, what I wanted to kind of move on to Abuemo because I think it's quite a similar situation with him in that his short-term fixtures aren't particularly good. Um, but he's going to be a buy at some point anyway. So I don't think you sell him on wildcard because um, this is just off the top of my head. Maybe, well, if you do sell him on wildcard, you're going to need to plan to get him in game week 14. So I wonder if you just keep him. Just the fact he's on penalties, even though he's got Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, maybe just bank on the fact he gets one penalty in those four games and maybe just sneaks another return. Because, again, it's just that because we know transfers are so valuable in and of themselves. Um, and I just think Mbemo is just like such a good asset. It's the fact he's... And I think it's one of those, he's one of those players where analytics players or eye test players or more narrative-driven players just all agree on it because it's as simple as 
there was a really good goal, really good striker. He's no longer playing anymore. They've got this other really good player who's replaced him and is also taking penalties and is even cheaper than Tony was and is in midfield. So gets, there's just so many little things that add up for him and he plays 90 minutes. So I, do, I, I think he's a really easy player to you 100% hold him if, you've, uh, if you're not wildcarding. I don't think he's a sell at all. Um, but yeah, if you're wildcarding, it's maybe a bit more of a decision. But I would just think, yeah, maybe a similar thing to Palmer. Maybe just keep him during this fixture period. Um, because you know you're going to want to buy him back anyway. From 14, he's got Luton, Brighton, Sheffield United. Um, yeah, I think, it, but yeah, I don't know. A lot of people, like you said, Ben, earlier, a lot, there's a lot of criticism in terms of holding him by Mo. Wasn't there? It's just because of the the misses. Of the like He's had a few bad game weeks, but his underlying numbers have been good. He's had a boost in his XG now, now that he's been the central striker for Benford. Or, well, now that Tony's not been there anyway. Um, and I think he's he's good enough to even start in the in the tougher fixtures. Maybe a bench him for Liverpool away, but I think I'd be okay starting him at home to Arsenal and and this week away at Chelsea. I think Brentford are quite good at those kind of mm. games when they play, where they play the tougher teams and they they get conceded possession to those teams and hit them on the on the counter attack. That's when Burmo can get the the highest xG chances. And uh, yeah, I'm happy holding him. I think. Um... Uh, I was going to say my mind's just gone blank um, oh yeah sorry I was going to mention what Tom said in the chat so he just said that there's not if you're wildcarding there's not many transfers to do in the next four game weeks um, because of the type of types of players you're buying and in general that's the case isn't it when you wildcard so actually maybe he is the player that you sell and he, he said he might go for Matoma and yeah if you've got a player like that with good shots uh, and fixtures yeah that does make a lot of sense similar price literally what I was going to mention I, I think the only scenario is like a Bowen or a Matoma can take that slot for a couple of weeks because there's a nice little overlap with fixtures and you know price points in in your midfield that then maybe you could return to Mbumo. But I think I think that's the thing that you you definitely want to return. So if you if you've already wildcarded and still have Mbumo like me for example, I think selling could probably be foolish because I've got other priorities now transfers. If you are on wildcard this week, I think four or five weeks and Matoma 25 points and then you're looking pretty uh, but if you don't have that luxury it's not one to force you know there are other things to do arsenal players liverpool players city plans you know whether you have or don't have them i think there are probably better uses of your transfers unless you're in a comfy position mm. yeah that makes a lot of sense i guess there was just a couple of other teams i kind of wanted to, to kind of uh, just touch on before we just move on to actually looking at the review wildcard um so one of them was bowen like do you think he's like a like a viable option like I think he's 100% a good option but do you think it's just a case of do you think he's a viable option with the other <laughs> amount like amount of quality midfielders available and do you think it's just a case of there's other high priority players or I think that's it like I I really really like him as an option but he's always just like the sixth midfielder or something yeah uh, either because of you know being slightly more expensive or yeah good minute and that yeah. sounds silly but you know if i've got a midfielder fernandez son salah saka and bumo every single one of them takes a penalty and has good minutes and has good fixtures and then you know i'll, I'll move them around but one always just seems to be that that number six and is maybe fighting for this for the spot with like someone like matoma who i think probably just edges it as an option yeah yeah i think it's a good yeah thing. his his xg is his underlying stats are pretty good but he is overperforming his xg like that goal last weekend was was so lucky with the deflection. Oh yeah. I um, mean, he's not he's not historically overperforming his xG that much. So, 
I'm not that worried about not own, owning him. And he wasn't really a consideration for me when I wildcarded in game week eight. So. It was an annoying way to lose the Matt Cash clean sheet. Tell me about it. Yeah, I was slightly... Played, played him over Burn. I could have, I could have had a even bigger score. <laughs> Greed, very good. You're not allowed to complain, sir. This week, <laughs> I was gonna. Say, I was gonna say as I started that sentence, I was like, "Just stop." <laughs> good self-awareness. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the other team I wanted to mention was Brighton because I guess they've become interesting because not just because of their fixtures, but the, the injury to March. But there's just seems to be just loads of uncertainty in general. Like you talk to Brighton fans, even and they just don't know what Deserby's going to do. So the fact March has got injured, like I just wouldn't be surprised. You know, people are expecting that Andriga, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, will play in that um, position because he's a natural right winger and therefore he becomes really good value, but it feels really high risky to commit to it now straight away. And you've got just, there's just other forwards in Matoma, uh, Fatty, Gross, Ferguson, Jao Pedro, etc. And just, they just seem to be a really fluid team. I think there's something in that, like even with like Fatty's been playing central quite a lot, but we know he's naturally a winger, for example, or well, he's played centrally, but naturally a left winger. Like, is there a chance that Fatty plays left wing and Matoma like moves up to the right wing? Even I don't know if he's ever played there. I, I just wonder if that's just a wait and see for one or two game weeks, and then you hop on uh, the one. Unless you go for I Matoma, think, where you just know he's going to play, and that's the yeah. I think I think it's an option, but I'd prefer Matoma if you can spare the funds. And then I think because with so Welbeck's injured, I'm not sure how long for Ferguson on the bench tonight. Jao Pedro and Fatty have started as the sort of nine and ten. I'd probably uh, Dringer started tonight as well as along with Matoma. I'd probably prefer Jao Pedro mm. over Dringer, just in terms of squad structure. That forward spot seems easier to play with than maybe another midfield spot. The price is still good. Is on penalties when he plays, and of course I made that call later in the season and probably got it wrong. I think you know I was too ambitious on the minutes. But if Danny Werbeck is indeed out that's less competition. It's then basically just Fatty and Ferguson that he's fighting mm. for one of the nine and 10 spots with. And I would feel a bit better about that. Although if you want more wildcard this week, he did start tonight. So I'll just check his minutes because Brighton are rotating heavily. They've played a strong team tonight. So there's a chance if Ferguson's fit, he may get the start of the weekend over Jao Pedro. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're all pronouncing him differently, aren't we? Uh, Adingra is the oh, pronunciation. Um, but, it's okay. Um, you, but he he just got his that. third ninety minute in a row. He just got his third ninety in a row for Brighton. So ninety before the international break, ninety last week, ninety tonight. He looks quite good with those, those minutes. Um, but I maybe he's a consider consideration for me in like a couple of weeks. Still sick of Gibbs White. I can downgrade him to a Dingra at that point. But he's looking promising, isn't he? And he got tonight. Um, is, is that that's a good big uh, we're just losing connection again uh, can you talk to me again Ben yeah I, uh, I think you, can you I, hear think, me? I think you stopped speaking just as we got connection back actually did you, did you hear what I said is, is yeah. Seb's mic on okay I'm, I've got like the red microphone sim symbol on Oh, uh, that's me just muting myself when I'm not talking so that I don't. Okay. Oh, okay. great etiquette. I never do that. <laughs> With a dingra. So, I, nothing. How do you spell it? A D A D I. A D I. 
<laughs> I, 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 I pronounced it wrong because I wrote it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Nice. What about what about Mbermo? I think people often get that wrong when they go Mbermo. They yeah. see the, the I e, think it's UE. The U yeah. before the E, but but it's actually UE, yeah. Oh, the one that really annoys me is Firmino. People say Firmino, like it's got an H-O at the end. Firmino. Firmino yeah. Oh, Rafina for, Rafina for oh, us Rafinha. all you just get. You know, yeah. Too many, yeah, too many... Too many, too many letters in there. <laughs> yeah. Or not enough, because he obviously had the he had the H in the P. Yeah. yeah. In, in Burma, did did in... you hear? Did you get my bit about? Did you get my bit about it? Yeah. In, the uh, another ninety minutes tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he played ninety minutes tonight, did he as well? That is important. Yeah. yeah. I just think that's yeah, again. It's hard to know what you read out of that, isn't it? But with um. Yeah, he, he's. Uh, I know Luke really likes him, but Luke likes those like more risky, high explosive players. A lot of it's to do with risk appetite, I think, with Adingra. Just based on the game week 10 wildcard with a team value of about uh, 101, I think, as well, which is maybe about average. I don't know. Mine's a lot lower than that. Um, and this is on 12 game weeks. Um, and yeah, you might be looking at this and think you've run it and got a different team. That's just, that's going to be the case. It depends on what settings you have, etc. But this gives us a vague idea of the team that reviews uh, suggesting. Um, and I'll read it out for people listening as well. So the, the goalkeepers are Ariola and Flecken. Um, it's then uh, Matty Cash, Gabriel, Simicas, Gvardiol and Taylor. Midfielders are Salah, Saka, Erdegaard, Diaby and Palmer. And then the strikers are Jao Pedro, Watkins and Haaland. So it has those eight attackers that you would rotate, which I presume maybe Jao Pedro rotates well with Palmer or something like that. Um, for some, yeah, and uh, I don't know, is, is there, are there any kind of picks here that just like, I guess we'll just touch on the ones that stick out to you as surprising or because there's a lot of them there that are obvious. Is there anything that is surprising to you? There's only a few, a couple there for me, to be honest. One of them is Gvardiol. Well, I like the idea that we've just picked up Mbumo and he's not in this team, yeah. but he is the first transfer. Yeah. So that is because Villa have Luton. What it's yeah. done is it's gone. Your wildcarding, get Luton, get triple, get triple Villa and have Luton. When I run a solve for myself earlier, I got a, a little bit of a different team, so I didn't have DRB. I did have Mbumo, but instead it had uh, Matty Cash and Luca Dean at the back, and then it immediately wanted me to do Dean to Dallo. Mm. So, which means we've oh. lost, we've lost the stream again. We, yeah, it looks like. So I'll wait I for, we'll wait for him to uh, yeah. to pop back up and then. Sorry, uh, I think uh, I, th I think this... we. Oh, is he back? Are we back? YouTube, YouTube says we're back. Yeah, uh, no, no, yeah. YouTube doesn't. YouTube. <laughs> we're struggling. Yeah, I think I think we're back now. I think we can go. That's a shame. Sorry, bear um, with us. Bear with us, everybody. So it's not broadcasting live now. Do you think it's all cut off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's, he's not in this call anymore, is he? And he was hosting it. No. So. I'll just take a break quickly and go to the loo. Yeah, no worries, mate. If we pop back on, I will monologue, I suppose. <laughs> uh. Can you hear me, uh, Seb? Hello, can you hear me, Seb? Actually, just seen Ben walk off, which means we might be here, so that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Still seems very stuttery. Can, can you hear me, Seb, or not? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see, like, tube is... <laughs> actually have sam in our call so i have no idea if sam can hear me uh but yeah 
perils, the perils. I have no idea, I might just be sat here live, that's hilarious. I don't think I'm just going to 